17, come in. Go ahead, truck 17. Primary complete. Command topics, primary complete. What's up, folks? And welcome to another episode of Primary Complete. Before we kick off the show, do us a quick favor. Like and subscribe. At the end of the show, if you enjoyed it, leave a quick comment. These simple little things make our platform more visible to folks who are looking for the type of show that we produce. For all of you who are constantly interacting with us on social media, talking about the show in your firehouses and with your friends, we can't say thank you enough for helping us build this awesome community. If you haven't yet, check out the social media. Search Primary Complete Podcast on Insta, Facebook, TikTok. Give it a quick like. We also got a website. Feel free to check that out, www.primarycompletepodcast.com. Thank you all once again. Enjoy the next episode and continue to help us make conversation great again. So Trevor Williams with L.A. County Fire, the creator of the Williams Key. We'll get into that a little bit in detail. But what? how long have you been with L.A. County? I've been with L.A. County seven years. So that's the that was like my dream department. And um, four years volunteer before that for the city of Sierra Madre. And I also did LA County's Explorer program for about five or six years, which is where a kid wants to be a firefighter and he yeah. does training right. with the department. Right. Have you always been a Cali boy? No. Um, so I, I grew up as a missionary and I lived all over the world. I was born in Virginia, lived in Africa for a couple years. Zaire, it was called Zaire at the time. Now it's Democratic Republic of Congo. Um, was there during the Rwanda genocides and Rwanda bordered Zaire, so we're affected by that. Eventually ended up moving to South Africa to kind of take refuge there. South a Africa wasn't much better. Um, it seemed better, but it was a very dangerous place. And then back to Zaire, which had been... Um, name changed at that point due to the war to Democratic Republic of Congo. So started, that's how I got my start, you know, at a, as a kid, a young kid, um, eventually ended up moving to Connecticut on the East coast and you guys are East coast, right? Yes, oh, sir. Yeah. Um, earliest podcast I've done, <laughs> by <laughs> the way, it was cool waking up. We got uh, you up early spend for some this time one. with you guys. Yeah. Thanks. Um, yeah, so yeah, Connecticut for a little bit, and then um, ended up moving to Haiti, the island of Haiti, which people know about now, but at that time, nobody had heard of Haiti, and uh, people know about it now due to the 2010 Haiti earthquake, um, which I was in, and we, we can talk about that in a little bit, um, but when we went, nobody knew what the heck Haiti was, Right. and uh, for your listeners, it's an island in the Caribbean, attached to the Dominican Republic. People know Dominican Republic, some people vacation there. Um, so Haiti and D Dominican make up the island of Hispaniola. It's about 565 miles south of Florida, and it's the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. So we lived there for a couple of years, and kind of the same deal as Africa. It was like, it was really tough over there. Um, there was civil unrest going on the president president aristide at the time uh he was being overthrown so riots in the street gunfire dead bodies the whole whole gambit of bad stuff was occurring while yeah, we were how there. was 
how was Christianity received in Haiti? That, like I've never thought of that as being a real strong that question. That's a great question. Yeah. Um, so Haiti, the way I like to put it is everybody believes something. Um, the, the spiritual realm over there is, is very real. And voodoo is one of the main practiced religions. And you're either voodoo or, or Christian. And you, you either believe in God or I think both sides believe in God, but one just chooses not to follow God right? to, to do uh, the voodoo stuff. So yeah, my, um, my mom and dad actually went after the earthquake as well. They, they, uh, you know, they're super heavily involved in their local church and they went over there. It was, I don't remember what year I have to get clarification on the year, but I know after the earthquake, they went over there and spent some time over there doing some work. Uh, my dad's a licensed pharmacist and my mom's was a nurse for a million years. So they, you know, there's a, there's a doctor and he kind of formed this team and they've been there. They've been chilly. They've been several places, but I remember them going to Haiti and I remember hearing them tell stories about the, uh, almost the same way that you just described it as in that there's really, there's two beliefs and it's either you believe in Christianity or you're into the voodoo world and the voodoo uh, practices, but there's, there's almost not a gray area. It's like. One or the other, uh, hot and cold in either, and that's it. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's pretty interesting. If you're a spiritual type of person, um, you kind of feel the the heaviness once you step off that plane in Haiti, and um, it uh, yeah, it, it's hard to describe to somebody who hasn't been there or experienced something um, spiritual in, in that way, but um. They'll how be, would you uh, describe that feeling? How would you describe it? It's it's almost like a a sixth sense where um, I I notice it as, as soon as I step off the plane, and it's like it it's almost like um, your situa your situational awareness, but at a spiritual level, <laughs> um, where you're like for for me at least. Um, there's like certain areas where I feel like more unsafe and I don't know why. And then I, I'm like, okay, this is probably like maybe like a lot of voodoo goes on here. And, um, or, uh, yeah, just certain people I don't trust or, or the opposite of that where I'm like, okay, this is like a really good area to be in or a really good person. And, um, yeah, I, it, it, you think it's it comparable is hard to, to describe, but I think yeah, that's how yeah. I would put it. You know how you get that feeling like somebody's looking at me and you could just be in a crowded place. It seems like what you're describing is similar to that. Yeah, that's a, like, that's a good way to say it. Well, so were you what age were you when you went to Haiti? Let's see. I moved there. I was about to turn 13. 13 and yeah. you were in Africa prior to that. Mm -hmm. Man, uh <laughs> sounds like a, a lot of exposure to a lot of things that people will never see in their life and probably don't really care about or seem interested in that you were all exposed to at a crazy young age. Yeah. Hey, yeah. hey Africa stay. Um, did you have to pretend to be there for a different reason? Like, was it, could you be there um, as Christians and it be safe or? So we were Christians while we were there. 
And when I say missionary, um, a lot of people jump right to like, oh, your dad must be a pastor and you guys are preaching the gospel. Um, the type of missionary work we did was through World Vision, which is a large nonprofit organization, um, Christian-based. Right. And they do a whole slew of things. So they do clean water projects, education, uh, house building, farming, um, and there's yeah you, you can sponsor kids through world vision and I, I think that's what a lot of people associate when i say world vision they'll be like oh i, I sponsor kids through them um so we did uh i would classify it as emergency relief work okay yeah and um yeah just and and the ministry was there too as we, as we were doing what we were doing we could also share um our faith and that seemed to be well received um but we weren't, yeah, my dad's not a pastor, and um, it wasn't specifically church planting, if you will. Yeah. Yeah, yeah that makes sense. There's a, there's, that's the same way with, with my mom and dad. They, uh, they weren't in, I mean, they were involved based upon their faith, but they weren't over there church planting like you, like you just explained, or, uh, you know, holding tent revivals and stuff like that. They were just working in the medical aspect of everything, and through those uh, connections with the local people, that's where they were given the opportunity to, you know, to share their faith and whatnot. So uh, that's really cool. I imagine it does uh, seem to fall on receptive ears a little easier when you're doing something helpful yeah. versus, you know, faith uh, can be kind of pushy sometimes. I'm sure you've had experiences with that and you're right. aware of it. But uh, when you're there to serve a purpose, you know, and you're able to share your faith through that, it seems to be a little receive a little bit better. Like the, you know, the barrier, the guard of the person you're trying to share with is not quite raised so high. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. The guards down. They want your help. You're there for uh, multiple reasons, and if you just so happen to tell them about God, you know, that's that's probably cool too. You know, they'll yeah, definitely be absolutely. more receptive to that. So, and yeah, in a in a place like Haiti. Um, you're, they're more open to it, I think, because people re rely on prayer to make it through the day, you know, because you're, you're m maybe not going to make it through that day. Like you right. might get one meal, you know, or you might get, catch a stray bullet or something, you know, it's just a dangerous place. And, um, wow. you're always like thinking, oh, it's today the day. Even as a kid over there, I was like a day at a time. Like I was seeing the effect of like, friends are getting kidnapped and like you see death every day so you're like is that gonna be me today um that's wild man yeah i can't imagine so from haiti where do we go from haiti haiti uh connecticut and that was kind of the cool down uh down yeah, area civilization <laughs> yeah. yeah i bet that was a interesting but relieving transition there from Haiti, a third world country, to or maybe even worse than a third world country, and during, during that time yeah. to yeah. Connecticut, climate changes, everything changes. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, from Haiti was California, Connecticut okay. <laughs> was after Africa. Okay, um, all right, so yeah. Africa, Connecticut, Haiti, California. Yeah, so, I'm tracking now. California, I was 15 when I uh, moved out here, and I'm, I'm still here. And I've been here the longest. I've been here uh, close to 20 years. I'm, I'm 33 now, so 18 years. And okay. um, I, uh, yeah, it was kind of like 
dumped in California. Okay, now what do I do? Because I was moving at such a intense pace in uh, Haiti. Where now it's like, okay, man, you're like, you made it, you're safe, you know, worry about being a kid again. And uh, I had to figure that out. Um, I was, I had grown up most of my life overseas, so I was figuring out America a little bit. Um, and uh, yeah, as a teenager, you're, you're just figuring out life in general. So um, people started asking me, what are you going to do with your life? They always ask you that when you're in high school. Right. Of and uh, I, at that point, I, I didn't really know. And people started mentioning, oh, maybe firefighting might be up your alley. So I looked into that and I was like, oh, yeah, I, I dig this. I get to keep helping people. Um, I've always been pretty physically fit and active and would continue to do that. And that was almost promised, you know, the whole career unless you let your self go and all that stuff but right it's right there for you so no excuse really um and so i got involved with the explorer program i went to the closest fire station and inquired about what do i have to do to be a firefighter and they said oh we have this great program it's called the explorer program you can uh come here and train with us from the ages of 15 and a half all the way up to um 21 and so yeah pretty soon i was like cutting my hair and shaving and getting rid of all the necklaces and bracelets and getting a clean appearance and learning how to say yes sir and do the push-ups and everything clean toilets so i did that and they have a program where if you get selected if you're one of the top guys you can go do an academy and they'll put you through an explorer academy once you do that, you're allowed to do the 24-hour ride-alongs. I know some departments, it's less structured, and you can just kind of do whatever you want. But with with this department, um, there's a very specific way that you go about it, and a, uh, like a chain of command and a hierarchy. And once you go through that Explore program, you're a certified Explorer. You can do those ride-alongs, and um, more is expected of you, and you're kind of on your way of being what the department would want um, to hire. So I did ride-alongs as many as I could. I was going through school at the same time, but on the weekends, I'd try and pick up a 24-hour shift ride-along. Every weekend, we have 177 fire stations, so there's a lot to pick from. So I'd start picking all the busiest houses, and uh, I knew after that first ride-along, I, I, um, I knew before that, but... That kind of um, set it in stone, like, yeah, this is what you were meant to do, and I loved it. And, you know, blood is not for everybody or, you know, being in scary situations or getting yelled at. Um, but I, I dug it, and I, I still love it, you know. And now here we are, you know, 18 years later, and I still enjoy going to work every day. So. What a great path. Yeah, yeah. no doubt. The uh, I was just reflecting on that. That uh pipeline for a, a super young person mm -hmm. to enter into this uh, career that we love so much is that's a very, very refreshing perspective to know that that's, that's happening in places. That's really cool. Uh, there, as far as I know, there's nowhere in North Carolina here that does anything even close to that. Uh, different departments have explorer programs, but it's not to the level that you just described. Mm -hmm. uh, that way, the way that y'all are doing it seems like it gives 
the person plenty of opportunity to ex to experience things uh, at different levels as well as make up a, make up their mind if this is something they want to pursue or something you know maybe that's not for me or and on the department side of the coin when they come out of that certified explorer program that you just described you know kind of what you're getting this person's dedicated enough to have gone through this much already uh that's got to be that's got to be pretty cool for department heads and stuff like that to to have that pool of people to to choose from. Uh, quick question: You said there was 177 uh, firehouses uh, for the department that you work for. Do all the houses kind of receive these certified explorers kind of the same? Is it kind of just like a a community based thing throughout the department that everybody knows? Or is it just certain departments that participate in the program? You can only go to this fire, these, you know, dozen or two dozen firehouses because they're the ones that support it. Or is mm. it pretty much departmentally uh, supported? Everybody uh, su supports the explorers. Each, um, so for, for your listeners who, who don't know how all the fire stations work in the big departments, so. Um, That's me. Mm -hmm. Each department <laughs> is broken down into battalions, and each battalion right. has a bunch of stations underneath it. So each explorer, sorry, each battalion has its own explorer post, um, and we have 22 battalions, so uh, 22 explorer posts, and then you can ride out anywhere. Like you, somebody in battalion one can go to battalion 20 and and do a ride along still. Um, so that being said, each battalion is getting explorers going to all their stations now there's slower stations out there who probably never get explorers just because an explorer wants that call volume right. and experience so some of the stations don't make a lot of sense or they don't have an extra bed like there's some three-person houses where they only have room for three people and they're maxed out um whereas the station I'm at, I'm at a West Hollywood fire station eight and we're one of the biggest houses and we have 13 people per shift and we have extra beds. So we, yeah, we see explorers. Um, but yeah, you, you can go anywhere. Actually you can go more places as an explorer than I can as a firefighter because an explorer right. can go to those specialty houses that do hazmat or that do USAR, um, or, paramedic there's some paramedic only stations um explorer can go and do that but now that i'm a firefighter and on the job I'd, yeah i'm limited to my skill sets um, sure imagine the loyalty and the trust you can earn like in that explorer program you're you're showing like the department can see that you're with all the distractions in the world today you can be online gaming doing whatever uh, but you're consistent, like putting in the effort, putting in the time. If I'm if I'm the department head, and I see these potential like studs that are putting in the effort and want to be a part of my department, I mean, that seems like a win, like all the way around. And the the guys on the line, I'm sure respect these kids more that have put in the effort and sure and shown up. Yeah, yeah. It's my number one recommendation to any kid trying to get hired would be to join an explorer program as long as you're in the realm of the right age. Um, right. But yeah, not all departments offer that. That being said, it took me seven years to get hired once I turned 18. 
and I applied to 60 different fire departments in the meantime. I wasn't going to put all my eggs in the one basket yeah. of LA County because it might not ever happen, especially when I'm up against 10,000 people who are applying and trying to get in. Um, so yeah, I traveled around, I tested for New York and Texas and Washington and all over the place and got better at my test taking and my interview skills. And when the time came for LA County, um, I, w I got hired and it's the first department that wanted me and I would, I really wanted it. So I, I might've tried a little bit harder, um, for that one. <laughs> yeah. I, it's I nice to be able work, to stay you know? at home. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I, I think there's no like favoritism or anything like that. And all the nepotism has been dealt with. Um, so there's, there's not really the only advantage I had over anybody else other than like the skills that I acquired and being comfortable when I went to that fire tower and knowing how LA County worked. Um, the only advantage I had was, um, being able to go and, and practice my interviews with people and they didn't have like specific questions or anything, but just being in like people were willing to sit down in front of me and put that pressure on me and ask me questions um, where, yeah, if I was just some random guy off the street, they might not necessarily spend that time with you. And then I would, I'd be told, Hey, go meet with this person. He's really good at like, you know, coaching, you know, interviews or something like that. And yeah. So it's like, it's who, you know, but not really because they're not helping you get hired. They're just helping you make yourself a better candidate. That's awesome to be able to have that, uh, you know, to have that community within the department that's mm -hmm. willing to support and willing to help. That's, that's super cool. Um, I think it probably wouldn't be too much, too much to think that there's the opposite side of that coin playing throughout our industry as well, where people don't want to see other people succeed. We've mm -hmm. talked about that on this show. The, yeah. uh, we want to see you succeed, just not succeed better than me, <laughs> that kind mm -hmm. of whole mentality. So there's those people out there too. Are you a truck guy or an engine guy? I'm a truckie. Yeah. So a light force eight is, uh, one of the apparatus out of our station. Did you say light yeah. force? Light force. Light force. So, eight. That's uh, the coolest is, thing I've ever heard in my life. I yeah. Know. Maybe <laughs> an unfamiliar term to some people. In fact, there was a cop on scene the other day and he was talking to our captain and he's like, Oh, what a unit are you? And he said, light force eight. And the guy thought he was joking. Like, <laughs> that's when, like we had something out of star Wars or something. Yeah. 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 Um, but yeah, so within our department, I think there's 33 trucks and three of the houses have light forces. And that just means you have a truck, but there's an engine that follows you and, right. and pumps you with water. And our trucks are quints, so they can pump themselves, but we, we call it a truck. Um, our, our, our station was the first station to get an aerial ladder in uh, 1950. So that's kind of like a little piece of pride we have um, about our station. And then we are the only uh, truck that has five people on it. Most of them have four. Okay. Um, and then with the engine that follows us, we have two more firefighters. So when we show up, there's seven of us and that's just for truck work. So I don't, I don't know how you guys do it, but that that's kind of like we're rolling in pretty deep um yeah 
So even the engine guys, even the engine, so I'm understanding it right. Even the engine guys that travel with y'all, when they get there, they're dedicated to truck work, not engine ops. Correct. Man, that's so cool. It seems like now that I hear you describe what that term, uh, light ops, isn't that what you said? Light force. Light force, Uh, force, sorry. Light force. Uh, It seems like I remember the documentary that came out about the um, firework storage fire seems like I remember them talking about the engine always traveling with the truck, and I'm assuming that's what they were describing. Yeah, I, I think so. Okay. Um, and then we, we also have another engine with four people on it um, and a paramedic squad. So, yeah, 13 of us total, and when a fire call comes out, everybody goes. Um, <laughs> but yeah. That's so cool, man. Yeah. Yeah, that's a lot of people. That's like uh, <laughs> 13 people. Let's see, that would be... One, two, three, four. That would be like five units for yeah. us. Wow. So. <laughs> yeah. It's a, it's a fun house. A very, a lot of, a lot of laughs, you know, very aggressive house. And, um, I enjoy being around that sort of environment and community. Every shift is just full of energy, you know, getting all sorts of personalities. Man, that's great to hear. Great mm-hmm. to hear. That's, uh, seems to be shared nationwide for the most part is that, uh, you know, the laughs and the giggles and the, and when it's time to be serious, we'll be serious. And when it's not time to be serious, we're not going to be serious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So the Williams key, please walk me through how this came about. We have red, white, yellow, green fire trucks come in many different colors and they're all just rolling toolboxes that are full mm-hmm. of things to break into doors. How did this particular tool come about in your brain? So my background is in construction um, as a carpenter, and I did a lot of commercial work installing doors specifically, doors and locks. I worked at big schools, colleges, fire stations, police stations, oil refineries, did all sorts of locks and doors. And this just kind of was a job that was presented to me in my path of getting hired. It's just a way that I was able to pay the bills in the meantime. Um, I've been, I was living out here on my own since I was 18 out here in California and didn't have a lot of support or help. So I had to work hard and picking up a trade was a way that I could um, get my hands on some tools and learn, learn a trade that I still utilize every day, you know, every shift and even in my personal life. So in doing that, I was able to learn a lot about how doors work, how locks work, a lot of different types. There's thousands of doors and locks, right? So you're, you're going to get a whole lot of different combinations and you're never going to know for sure, like what a door is doing, but I have a pretty good perspective of doors and locks and I know what should be behind a door. We never know for sure, but there might be a drop bar we can't see. Right. Um, but I, I typically can get into a door um without doing damage if i have enough time because i can pick locks and i've got a whole wizard bag full of wazoo tools and gadgets but um it depends on the call too if we have a fire call i'm not worried about preserving that door we're just getting in and Mm -hmm. that's where your irons come in or your rotary saw your chainsaw um but if i can preserve a door I'd like to because I know these things cost thousands of dollars to replace and not everybody, not every firefighter understands that they've never had their own home 
door broken maybe sure or uh owned a business i i owned a business for a couple years and we got broken into multiple times and every time a couple grand to replace it um so um yeah i was always making little tools for myself before i got on the job and um one of them was a, a crude version of the williams key and uh I'll, I'll show your viewers that we have a pink one here um Pink is Steve's favorite color. And I, yeah. I chose pink today. This is like a special edition one, but I chose pink because <laughs> I like to wear a lot of black. And right. I was realizing like as I was doing these podcasts and these shows, like the contrast against my black shirt um, didn't work out very well. So here's a pink key, um, Williams key. This is the standard version, and it has a shove knife uh, handle and then this blade side. This blade is 12 inches long. The handle is about 9 inches long. And this blade will reach behind a vandal plate or a guard of a door and toggle the strike or the slam latch and uh, push that out of the way. And that's probably the best feature um, that this can provide is um, getting behind those guards. If you can visualize the strike, um, this is all you need some of the times, the, the shove knife side. So um, I made this originally out of a framing square and I, I recommend to firefighters who can't afford a Williams key, although they are pretty cheap, um, just make your own. You know, I'm, I'm not in this for the money. Uh, I'm here to help people and I never intended to sell these. I ended up just every day on, on calls pulling this tool out to get us in and before long everybody wanted one. So it was hard for me to just make one at a time for guys because right. I was like grinding them out and everything. It took some time. So I decided to uh, have a fabricator make me a small batch and it was like, I don't know, maybe, maybe a hundred of them actually probably less than that initially, maybe 20. And, uh, yeah, those, those all disappeared immediately. And, uh, and then it just took off like wildfire. Everybody wanted one. They were working guys were like Johnny on the spot, you know, on, on these calls and they liked being able to quickly make access without having to pull out the, the irons or wait for the building manager to find the keys. Um, especially on these like medical calls or investigations where you're not necessarily going to find a fire. Um, but you still need to get in and make access and look around. This thing works really well. Yeah. Um, so that's where it first came about. And now we have, uh, your folding versions guys wanted, um, so this kind of slides and collapses. I don't know if you guys can see it, but oh yeah, we yeah. can see it. Um, yeah, yeah. So there's a there's a nut on it, and it slides up this track and locks into place. And this will fit a little bit easier in, inside some turnouts. Yeah, yeah, toolboxes and, and such. Yeah, and we yeah. sell Kydex Molly holsters. Guys will put it on their on their belts and. We've sold to all 50 states, 30 countries, um, SWAT, yeah, police love it. And now a lot of government agencies like FBI have stopped by the fire station wanting them, Department, Department of Justice, Border Patrol, all branches of the military, um, locksmiths, really big with locksmiths. It's, it's making their job real easy. Yeah. So, what? yeah, it's just taking off. Yeah. Go what ahead. was your kind of uh, old boy moment when you – realized this was turning in whether you wanted it to or not this was turning into something more than just uh you know travis 
you know, busting out some framing squares and cutting them to pieces for your buddies on the truck. There had to be a moment where you were like, oh, man. <laughs> I think... So eventually I made a website and set that up. And I, I think before, maybe the first sale was like a, a cool moment. Yeah. And I've got like 10 tools now where um, like the Williams Keys is the, the platform that got all my customers and the user base. And now I can come out with like a wedge and, you know, just random stuff. Right. And people buy it. And it's always like that first sale where I'm like, oh, cool. You know, that I need yeah. something with my mind that people want and they're paying money for it. Um, maybe the oh boy moment though was maybe like the first like viral video or, you know, something like that. Um, I've got multiple, lots of videos now with multi-million views. Um, I do a lot of podcasts now. People recognize me in public sometimes. Um, it's, it's grown really at a rapid rate, um, very fast over the last couple of years. Yeah, when did so, it start? What year did you start? Or do, when you um, built the website, since that's kind of the jumping off point for you. What year did you build the website? Yeah, I, I think that was t probably 2020. Okay. Yeah, dur during all the when and all it. the businesses were shut down and stuff, yeah. I'm like, yeah, I could probably like expand on this a little bit. And I, yeah, that's probably when it really took off. Was uh, what else is in your bag of tricks? Like uh, you mentioned, so, coming off the roof. Yeah. There's there's multiple versions of the Williams key. There's the standard, the folding. We got the Magnum Triple XL. This is a 35 inch um, solid version, and then there's also a folding version of this, which really just makes it easier for me to ship because these things are a pain in the butt. Nobody order those, please. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. I came up with this door hanger. Um, so once you make entry, if nobody's home, you can leave this hanger on the door saying, Hey, 911 entered your home. We had to fix a smoke alarm that was going off. Nobody was home. No damage was done or sorry. We knocked over your flower pot. That's yeah. why there's dirt on the floor. Cause if you come home and fire department or like EMS have made entry into your home and nobody told you, um, and you notice your home is disturbed. It's unsettling. You think you got broken into. Yeah, um, absolutely. So I found these to be a really good like customer service tool. Um, they're cheap. You, you know, people buy them stacks of a hundred, and you just leave it on the door. Quick note: Hey, we're here, and uh, I think that goes a long way. I um, feel positive it does. Yeah. How about yeah. in your uh, in your pocket, like on your in your turnout gear? Do you keep uh, webbing and a few other things? What um what else will we find in there? Oh yeah. Um, webbing for sure. Um, yep. and that's great for, you know, doing rescues or, um, I like to use it to extend my ladder belt when I'm on the tip of an aerial ladder, give myself a little bit more play. Mm -hmm. Um, some, uh, like, uh, cable cutters and, and wrenches, you know, that's a pretty versatile tool. Um, we're always cutting stuff or opening up. Mine is, uh, the, the channel lock that can, turn off the gas and stuff like that too yeah that's a good and, one to uh, have yeah the lugs of the couplings tighten those or loosen those and then um what else i carry an elevator pick um we pick a lot of elevators and it's a top pick so it's pretty small but it's able mm -hmm. to reach up top and and toggle the actuator up there 
and you can also get into some doors with it too i've been able to reach through like little chain link fences and chicken wire oh, and yeah. grab a handle with it uh, i don't sell those they're very simple to make um but maybe i should because people are always asking me for them uh what else um so this is one more product i make let me see if i can get it closer to the the thing so this is the inward door slip knife and it's like a credit card it's it's good for uh, sliding around the jam right. of the door and uh opening up um yeah just inward swinging stuff it's a good way to check if there's a deadbolt because if there's a deadbolt none of my stuff is getting through it uh then you're going for your irons or yeah. rotary saw or if you got time and you know, have the skills you can try and pick it but um, how's that how's that thing work it looked like one of those little m&m bottles on the camera how yeah. does it open so, up and thought yeah i'm partnered with uh there we go firefighter swipe tool and, okay um so they they send me these and we put them inside and it's just a flimsy piece of uh plastic yeah and the first one i had made out of a water bottle and then yeah it yeah. just it, it slides around the jam and you come down diagonally and you can put pressure on the door jiggle it a little bit and it should uh, push that slam latch out of the way. So, yeah, I, I use that all the time. Um, my uh, Williams key is better for like outward swinging doors. Sure. Um, so there's people buy them together a lot of the times, like a Williams key and a slip knife. Do you sell them like, as a kit? No, I don't have any kits. Um, I probably should, but uh, might yeah, save you on shipping a little yet. bit. Might save you a little yeah. bit on that shipping. Put it all in yeah, one that's box. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I'll, maybe I'll work on that. Enough people have told me that to where I'm like, all right, yeah, I really should, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen to the masses. <laughs> yeah, another uh, shipping yeah. tip. Uh, I don't understand why this is, but square boxes are cheaper to ship than rectangle boxes. Have you found that to be true, or have you looked into that? Next huh. time you go to ship something, look and see what the price difference is. When they're square, they're cheaper. It must be because they stack more efficiently. Interesting. Yeah. So if if I end up using a box, it's usually because I'm sending out more than one uh, key. Right. And um, I, I've found that the cheapest shipping is flat rate shipping um, through the post service. So there's none of my stuff fits in the small boxes, but uh, the medium and large boxes, it's like 1450 flat rate and then the large one is like 20 bucks flat rate. Yeah. That's and that I whole, can if fit. it fits, it ships thing. Yeah. Yeah. And that seems to be the cheapest. Um, the ones that are expensive are when I try and ship the Magnums and I have to make my own box for that. <laughs> I get a 36 inch by 24 inch piece of cardboard and I score it down the middle. I fold it in half and I do a bunch of packaging around it and it takes me like 20 minutes to package maybe more sometimes like it's just such a pain in the butt so yeah that's why i got away from these and i'm like i'll make a folding version and i can throw it in poster tubes and then that's super quick and it's been yeah it's been saving my knees and my back and all the back <laughs> yeah <laughs> right what's it um what's it been like for you personally uh through the success of this company how does it make you feel if you can describe it i'm sure it's probably pretty tough to describe kind of the feeling of providing something that is being used so nationwide, well, worldwide now, uh, mm -hmm. you know, something that came out of your brain that you were able to put actually into a tangible object. And now it's wildfire. How does that, 
I mean, how does that make you feel? Uh, it, it feels really good. It It's taken a toll on my personal time and my personal life. And I, I have a full-time firefighter career, right? So um, when I come home, I'm running this, you know, full successful business where, you know, I've sold 15, 16,000 of these keys at this point, And I've filled all those orders personally. Um, but I think what makes it worth it is I, I get th this feedback and these stories from people who um, I was able to, you know, I'll hear like probably the coolest one, a cop was able to save a life by preventing a suicide. Like he, he got in quick enough and, you know, kept the guy from jumping or whatever. Um, or uh, somebody who is able to get in quick enough to render CPR to a viable um, right you know patient and and make that difference whereas it was just a welfare check so we were going to wait for the building manager to bring the keys to this apartment yeah um, but somebody had the tools so they got in oh shoot full arrest and um make the save how so rewarding like that, must it, that be yeah. it, it, it's it's hard to quantify because i don't i don't know like all the ways this tool is being used um but i think the the other what's special for me and probably nobody else is, is the millions of dollars of doors that have been saved. Right. Yeah. Like all these doors that could have been kicked in or, or damaged. Um, I'm sure hundreds, if not thousands of a day are not being damaged the way that they could have been. Um, so I think that's the rewarding part. I never got in this for the money. Um, I enjoyed talking shop with all of the different agencies all the different people that have questions about the fire service or my tool or the way a door or a lock works. I always welcome that. Um, all my info is online, like email me or send me a DM on social media. I would love to talk through a door with you or answer any questions. I'm very easygoing. Uh, you know, I love this stuff. So it's my passion and I'm never going to tell you like, don't bother me or whatever. I'm too busy. I'm not, I'm never going to be that guy. Right. Um, so I like to see firefighters succeed. And I made this tool as a way to make our job a little bit of a better place and provide a better service to our customers. Yeah, I can already think of several, several. See, I've been doing this for 18 years now. Uh, and I can think of <laughs> so many different situations where that would be helpful. Mm -hmm. uh, fire alarms is one that's coming to my mind so quickly. We're in a college town, so there's dorms and uh, you know, we're growing rapidly here, you know, on the East Coast in our little town. So there's a lot of apartments and, um, you know, multifamily complexes around. And then you have a fire alarm go off and we have to wait for a maintenance man to come mm -hmm. unlock it and all this kind of stuff. So especially if it's a water flow alarm or something like that here. I mean, it's it doesn't freeze here where we are very much. But when it does, it's a nightmare mm -hmm. two or three days after because all the water pipes start busting and everybody's apartment starts to you know, get flooded out. And that's a problem that we can, I mean, when we, we're getting called to it anyway, but if we can go on and get in there and wedge that sprinkler or do whatever, we can save a lot of, a lot of damage to mm -hmm. the apartments, the uh, apartments below it and whatnot, but we always got to wait on somebody, you know, we always got to wait. So, uh, and that's just one set of examples. There's, man, there's so many of them that I can think of, uh, where it would be so much easier, you know, it's so much mm -hmm. more resourceful to have something else that you can use and mm -hmm. not cause damage and, how many times have EMS 
requested you, Steve, for uh, gaining entry. And that's it. That's the best. They don't need us to help treat the patient. They need mm -hmm. us to get in the house. So if they had this, you know, maybe they could save that call or maybe we wouldn't have to work so hard to, you know, try to conserve a door when we're using irons and stuff. You know how delicate that can be. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's it's hard. Those tools weren't built to be finessed. They're built to be robust and, you know, get in there quickly. So that's a, yeah, I think you definitely built a, created a tool and built the tool uh, This can serve a lot of purposes outside of just gaining entry to fight fire. You know, that's a, that's a really cool thing. Is there any hopes for scaling in the future? I've been dancing that line for a long time. Um, I enjoy, I could have quit my job and everything and, you know, hired staff and get a big building and all that stuff. Um, I haven't wanted to go that route yet. I've been able to juggle both and I, I enjoy juggling both and, uh, being able to work as a firefighter gives me more insight to like current problems that we're running into and, um, being able to test products. So yeah, I, I could have scaled at this point already. And, um, I think the thing that, uh, helped a lot as far as growth that I'm still able to manage are, um, distributors. So I've, I've got over 15 distributors right now and um, some pretty big ones too. Um, like the Firestore, for example, I don't yeah. know if you've heard of them, but they're of one course. of our distributors. And uh, before, before I had um, like wholesale and distribu distribution, I was kind of starting to go down that route, but I was drop shipping. So like my distributors would just like send me orders to fill and that didn't help me at all other than make more sales, but I was all doing right. all the work. So now I'm like, all right, we're getting away from drop shipping. You know, you guys got to order in bulk from me, the wholesale, they get a better deal, but they're taking all that labor cost away from me and, and my time. So that's been a fair trade. And, um, that seemed to, to work really well to where I'm selling a lot more, getting these tools into a lot more people's hands. And that work is being done for me. Like, those distributors are basically like my employees, right? They're like doing all the, all the manual labor yeah. and filling these orders, getting them out for me. So that's the way in a sense that I've been able to scale while still maintaining like, Hey, it's just, it's mostly just me doing all this stuff and I enjoy it that way. Sounds like now. a good management decision. Yeah. 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 Do you, do, do you so, still do, uh, do you still do direct to consumer sales? Or do you have to, to buy Williams Key, do I have to go to the fire store or another distributor? Or can no. I order directly from you? Yeah, um, WilliamsKey.com, I'm, I'm sure, yeah, most of the orders still route through there. Um, so, yeah, I, I still, uh, some people even, like, they, they find the business address, which is not where I live, but they think, <laughs> you know, I'm there or something, and they want to, like, pick up in person and, I get hit up and depending on how much I trust the person or, you know, it's like an official Instagram account from some department or some police station, um, contacts me and be like, Oh, it looks like you're nearby. You know, can I pick up a, a couple? Sometimes I'll work that out with them, but like it, it's pretty rare, but sometimes I'll do in person. Um, but, uh, 
I definitely don't need to. Um, it's more like I'd rather, uh, I'd like to meet the customer or, or something like that. But sure. it's got to be somebody, not just Joe Schmo off the street. Um, it's got to be reputable source and, you know. Yeah, you got to be careful these days. There are traps everywhere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Can you, and you can get uh, you can get the keys uh, personalized, right? I thought I've seen some of that when I was scrolling through you your can. Instagram. Yeah, I think that's been a big seller because people love to customize stuff for gifts. Um, I'll see a lot of rookies like order this key for their whole station when they finish probation or, you know, somebody finished the tower and a gift for them, you know, somebody will want to give them a gift. So yeah, we customize, it's a little bit more expensive to get a custom engraving. Um, and then we can do just text or if you want to pay even more, we do a logo. I, yeah. I don't like, I don't like doing that cause I have to edit all the stuff myself, but, um, yeah, if you pay the money, I'll put a logo on there too with your name and uh yeah it's really popular it's definitely i've done um so i take a photo of every custom engraving i do and i put it on the story on the instagram so that's a good way to see if your order is like coming through for any of you listeners like if right. you see it show up in the story like yeah your key's done and it's coming to you soon but um i've been able to count how many custom engravings i've done that way because every time i put it in the story it ends up in a custom album uh, like a highlight and it'll hold a hundred photos right so I've, i'm up to like 1800 custom engravings that's so cool point. yeah um i only know that because it counts it for me but yeah that's so cool i've though. done a lot of them so. yeah yeah well we're gonna have to get you to do one more we got to get your foot primary complete podcast oh, yeah. on yeah, one so we can to. hang it up here in the studio for yeah. sure I gotta get you some stickers too. I see all the stickers back there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're we're sticker fiends, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I love stickers. Yeah, coming out with stickers like almost every week. Like I love doing the the creative side, right? The pop culture stuff. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I love stickers. Yeah, we're sticker fiends as well. That preservation of the door uh, comment that he made. I I feel that like I when we're having to force a door that's a nice like a wood door like you can tell somebody made this thing it wasn't just you know in a factory somewhere yeah i, I feel guilty uh <laughs> yeah but yeah it's this is nice like yeah. I, I like that that the need to preserve um maybe it was the time in haiti with the low income and something that was built needs to be preserved and protected you know there's not a walmart you can go buy it yeah trevor you've right. got a different uh sense a different sense of uh, value placement if yeah. you ask me on things like you know most of us firefighters i'm guilty as well uh, we get a fire call the patient always seems to be or the problem always seems to be the number one priority and it should be yeah. but there's things we can do in that process uh you know to, to serve to serve the people our customers if you will to serve them a little better and if it's keeping you know we got several million dollar homes in our community and you know just the the view of something that's that's that costs money i'm I'm sure that has to come a little bit from your early days and being in such these poverty-stricken countries and places where you place value on the things we most of the time neglect is is way different oh yeah um i i grew up i i think as a kid i i felt like we were wealthy because where we were growing up was very poor um but in retrospect, we we weren't that well off. Um, and 
in places like third world countries, you are you have to fix stuff if it breaks. Like there's not, like you said, a Walmart or a Home Depot where you can just go and buy something new. And if there was, you probably in those countries don't have the money to do it. Um, so you know, you're you're if you have a car, your car's tires have like 50 patches on them, you know, and you just keep plugging the holes and patching you know the stuff as it breaks and you're not getting new stuff you're just yeah. prolonging the life of everything that you have um so yeah i think it would it would definitely come a little bit um from that perspective um i, th I think the worst thing that can happen that i've seen is you get the address wrong or you you end up like kicking down the wrong door. Why you gotta bring up old stuff? Man? <laughs> Steve and, has um, one of those stories. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, and now you've like you know grandma's door is broken and she's scared and like she never called nine one one and now you, it's just a whole mess. You know it makes the department look bad. It makes the fireman look like he doesn't know what he's doing. Um, it was not warranted at all. You know, and it's just from. Uh, a, a mis you know mistakes are made so i'm like oh that's the when i hear those stories and it, it's common like it happens yeah. more often than you'd think mm -hmm. um had they used a williams key at least the door wouldn't be broken yeah maybe you're embarrassed because you went to the wrong address but at least you didn't do damage you know yeah in steve's defense the uh williams key wasn't created there was yeah. no inception of the williams key when his incident happened no. but but it's uh it is common uh i've heard i've heard several stories uh just like that the exact mm -hmm. same way that you just described it uh even throughout our department here you know that's number one dispatchers and all that they're they're humans too they get stuff wrong so but they're not there to receive the consequences of their yeah. <laughs> of getting it wrong yeah. and even if you don't really care about the door like if you're not like we appreciate doors, but if you're not compassionate to that, the ability to leave the house securable when you when you clear mm -hmm. the scene and they can still lock their door, that's value. Yeah, you know. Yeah, because you know we'll we'll have to secure doors we break, and yeah. that takes time. You know, that's another twenty minutes, and oh, let's get out the hammer and the nails and find some wood, and it turns into a whole thing, mm -hmm. where maybe you know we want to get back to the station and you know not not be on scene as long as yeah as that finish your meal or prepare for the next run whatever right yeah mm -hmm. well trevor it has been an absolute pleasure brother thank you for getting up so early and taking some time with us uh we'll be sure to post your website and social stuff all in the links below uh in this show it should come out next week uh probably okay. on thursday our show's there on thursday i try to get them out by thursday so should pop up on thursday it's been a pleasure man I hope you get scaled, and I hope that uh, you get some personal time back in your life, brother. Yeah. Thank you. I, I hope so, too. It's been a pleasure being on the show. I'm going to go back to bed now. No, I'm just Heard that. <laughs> Heard that. <laughs> Heard that. What's your shift work like? Did you work? Uh, did you get off this morning, or do you go back tomorrow? Or? No, so I'm actually off um, indefinitely. I'm having a kid in, like, two or three days, so... I took this week off so I could be here for my wife um, that. during her most pregnant phase. And then uh, I'll be off for a couple of weeks at least. I'm going to play it by ear. Um, okay. Nice. But yeah, yeah congratulations. Normally ten, 10 shifts a month uh, minimum. Yeah. And it's never just 10, but yeah, that's that's our 
our well, ship good. Back, so. uh, tell her from two strangers, congratulations. We wish y'all the best of luck with that. Um, your world as you know it is fixing to change. That's for sure, brother. I have two kids. Steve has two kids. Uh, they're the greatest thing on planet Earth for sure. But God bless, they'll try your patience. <laughs> <laughs> Looking forward to it. Yeah, it's it's nothing but joy, man. I assure, I assure you that for sure. Um, so we appreciate it, brother. We'll let you get to bed or get back to comforting that wife. Good luck to you, man. I hope you enjoyed that episode. Do us a favor. Slide over to iTunes or Spotify or YouTube. Leave a five-star review and leave a comment. If you want to, you want to support further, share it with somebody. Ask them to like, subscribe, and share it with their friends. If they can benefit from it, we need to spread it out. The more you like and comment, the more visible we are on all these platforms when people are just searching Firefighter Podcast. It'll come up primary complete a little bit quicker, and they won't have to dig quite so far to find us. We really appreciate that. Visit the website. It's a pretty good site. It's got all kinds of fun links and stuff. You can also find the shows there on the website as well, and that's www.primarycompletepodcast.com. Thank you all so much for your support. Again, we love you. Thank you for helping us make conversation great again.